Hey everybody, this is Brad Bruce and I'm here with Jason Barsiglia and you are listening to the 5195 podcast. How you doing, buddy? Good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. I am still reeling off of last episode. Pretty funny. Yeah. It was good stuff. It's always funnier when you're the healthy one. <laughs> Healthy-ish. Healthy-ish. Yeah. What's on your mind? Just, you know... Warning people against the hazards of ingesting office supplies. Pour me a highlighter. Pour me a highlighter. <laughs> Give me a nice, tall glass of highlighter. <sighs> no, uh, this today's episode actually came about because of a conversation we had today that we didn't dive too deeply into because we realized we had a topic here. So there are two camps of thought on this topic. Basically, the topic is DVD versus Blu-ray, if you're a collector, and the, the pros and cons of either or. In my opinion, there's, there's two ways to look at it. There's seeing something upgraded and restored and polished, and then there's people like Brad who are just wrong. Right. No, wrong. Right. Wrong. Right. Wrong. And therein lies the right. argument. Now, I don't understand Brad's stance on this. So I'm going to let you tell me your thoughts. Maybe it's just my age. Okay. And it's a nostalgia thing. Now, again, I do like special features. And I know Blu-rays are loaded with them. But, I mean, as are DVDs. They are. Okay. We also have to take into account the fact that there are a lot of people out there. VHS has made a massive comeback. Mm -hmm. Which is funny because I know for me and you, it's never went anywhere. No, but I get antiquated nostalgia. You know, I get that. And and to be fair, you and I went to uh, Freddy's. <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's. No. <laughs> we went to Frankensons. Frankensons, Freddy's. <laughs> um, we went to Frankensons today and... Even at one of the, the booths that was selling Blu-rays and DVDs and tapes, we, we stopped and was looking at one of the tapes and just the way the art was. And there's, there's, there's an appeal. There's still an appeal. There's still, I love looking at tapes. And the artwork was unsurpassed. Unsurpassed. It just didn't make the transition the way it should have to DVD or digital. But my argument with Brad is, and what's funny, I, I personally... I've never been one to take into account a remaster or an upgrade visually until I went backwards again. So what we grew up watching on VHS was just, was great. It was fine. When DVDs came out, it was like, oh my God, this looks so much better than my tape. And it's widescreen and, you know, it was, it was cool. I mean, I'm sure people with Laserdisc thought the same thing, but I was more, I jumped on in the DVD era. With each update to technology, they've been finding ways to make things look crisper, clearer, uh, sound better. They're finding lost tracks that they've been able to, you know, dust off and clean up. And to me, I like the evolution of making something look amazing. I love 
I even like bonus features that show you the color correction and how they go in with a computer and digitally erase, you know, cigarette burns or pops and blips and hairs, you know, that's cool to me. But I told Brad recently, uh, within the last couple of years, I was showing my son the Scream movies. I went back and I was showing him the original Scream. My copy of Scream was the, I think it came out in 2000 and it was the Dimension Ultimate Trilogy box set. It was just one through three. And the first one, it was a release that had been out already. It was their collector's series. It was just part of the box. I think the only one that was different was Scream 2 exclusively was a collector's edition for this box. And then it came with a bonus disc. But Scream 1 was the same print used on previous 1996 or 7 DVDs. And it kind of blew me away because you don't take into account the fact that you're watching on full screen TVs now. Every TV is just widescreen. Every TV's flat. Every TV's like 1080p, you know. I popped in this Scream DVD the widescreen, the thing that people used to bitch about when I was a kid was the black bars on the top and bottom. Because this was formatted at a time when TVs were still square, I had black bars top, bottom, left, right. <laughs> like Scream was like a rectangle in the center of my big ass TV. And I'm like, what the fuck? I, di I didn't even like the thought of adjusting the TV to like blow it up or zoom in because you're pixelating it now. So I was like, fuck, you know, I just, so I wound up just going out and buying the, uh, the Lionsgate Blu-ray that has Scream 1 through 3 and then I think a couple documentaries on it. And we watched it that way and it was, it was great. I mean, it was great seeing a, a, a new upgraded version, but it made me think even DVDs, at least to a point, have become antiquated in terms of presentation. I mean, not all of them. Obviously, they fix that issue relatively quick, I think. But there are DVDs that I've collected and still own that are so old now that it looks like you're watching the movie through a tank window. <laughs> you know, it's like you can't fix it either. It's just that's the way it was. And it was formatted for a square television. Now, with everything being widescreen, they make it to fit your TV now, but it's like... I couldn't believe it. And it was just funny. I mean, A, the fact that it, I hadn't watched it in so long that it, I didn't realize that's what it was. But it was just funny to me that this looks like shit now. I never thought I'd say that about DVD. Because DVD was like such a leap from VHS. Such a leap. Now with Blu-ray, you watch the same movie on Blu-ray and then go back and watch it on DVD. And it's like, it almost looks fuzzy. When it's not, it's not. It's still crisp. But it doesn't look as striking as it does on an upscaled Blu-ray. So I, I think some of my issues with the whole thing is, let's just take any movie like Halloween. Sure. Okay, so we take Halloween, you know, we got the DVD, and I love it. It's great. Mm -hmm. It's cool. But then it's like, then I got, then there's a Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, then they want to do a 4K. Yeah. How many different versions of this fucking movie do I got to get? I know. You know, it's like that original version is like, it's like home to me. Yeah. It does what it needs to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and I feel like there is a <clears throat> point where it could be too much when you see certain things that weren't meant to be seen in the film. You know, whether it be 
makeup yeah. appliance. It, it it really it's almost like it's taking some of the mystique away from what they've created by having it too crisp and clean. And I mean on films that were not shot with Blu-ray and 4K in mind. No, yeah. I'm talking about films that were shot in the 80s, you know, and the 90s sure. that they were just making a movie. They were shooting on 35. They were shooting 16 by nine, mm-hmm. you know, and they knew they through editing and color correction that their secrets were safe. <laughs> yeah. And then when this came along, there were times I would watch stuff and I would be like, man, it's almost like it was cheapening it for me on certain things. There's certain ones. And uh, we did mention this earlier today when we were discussing it with Tina, her big hang up is tombstone. Mm-hmm. I've not seen tombstone on Blu-ray. I just always had my my Vista series to disker. I agree that there's certain movies, particularly in the horror genre, that benefited from a grainy, nasty, dingy look. Uh, Evil Dead, Texas Chainsaw, Friday the Thirteenth. These these were movies that it benefited them to look cheap and dirty, and you know something like I Spit on Your Grave or Last House on the Left when you polish them and make them look like a movie, you know, a brand new sparkling thing, it does kind of take the sleaze out of it or the, you know, the the thing that made it feel disturbing. And I, I I agree, you know, um, some of those just looked better on VHS because they looked like shit, Mm -hmm. you know? And I understand that. Like, I think the best looking 4k that I've ever seen that I own that made sense to me. And I was like, wow, I get it. And it's because it was made in the era of 4k. And that was Coco. Really? Okay. Like on my TV upstairs with the 4k player, the TV, it looks incredible. Really? Hmm. Okay. And I'm like, man, I get it. I get it. But then putting in Halloween, I'm like, no, see, I never with Halloween and having seen that one in particular so many times, obviously people like me and you know, every inch, a frame mm-hmm. when I bought scream factories Halloween box set, the one from like 2014, it came with two copies of the original Halloween. One was the original pressing from anchor Bay. And one was an improved Dean Cundy version. I don't remember which one I watched, but I remember it on the TV, the flat screen 4k. I just remember the scene that stood out was Lori and her friends walking home from school when Michael was by the shrubs, the the big hedge. And just the way the greens pop and the earthy colors of their clothes and just the sky and the the leaves. And I just remember watching it and going, this looks beautiful. This looks so good. And it was nothing against my old Anchor Bay and all that stuff. I still have it. I still have the VHS. But I just remember thinking for the first time, this looks beautiful. This is just, I mean, I got lost in it. And then I did the same thing when they released The Fog on uh, Blu-ray and 4K. The Fog, it looks beautiful. Um, So I, I never was a stickler about that. And my biggest argument with you about one media versus the other, I'm a bells and whistles guy. I like the documentaries and I like the Oh, I mean, I do too. It started a long time ago where they would release a DVD and Blu-ray and the Blu-ray always came with much more of that stuff. The DVD was kind of unceremoniously just put out with the movie and maybe a trailer and the blue, the Blu-ray and in, in comparison was like, 
we'll show you everything, but you got to watch it on Blu-ray, you know? And it used to annoy me because I was like, at the time I was like, I didn't have a Blu-ray player. So I bought a few Blu-rays because it came with the DVD. You know, it used to be combo packs most of the time and still sort of now it's more like 4k and Blu-ray versus Blu-ray DVD. But, uh, I just remember being kind of annoyed by it. And then eventually I just succumbed to it. And the bells and whistles is what pulled me over. I was just like, well, this is what they're obviously putting their attention on. And I like my film school, you know, I like watching this stuff. So I gave up on DVD. I still have plenty and there's lots that haven't made the jump. You know, there's lots that probably won't, uh, for that matter. But I just, I looked at Blu-ray as a beautiful upgrade. But again, like you were saying, certain prints, they show you the, I forgot who coined the term, but the zipper in the monster costume. And it, it does kind of reveal a few imperfections, but I I really love how they look. And, and the one that really blew my mind was Synapse had put out a 40th anniversary of Suspiria. And you know as well as I do that the Argento's color schemes and all that, his movies really pop. I've never seen a restoration as beautiful as Suspiria. The only one even comparable. And that on Blu-ray only? Yeah. Okay. And it's a steel book. It was a limited edition steel book. I think they released a standard edition too, but it's the same print. Suspiria jumped off the screen. It looked astounding and what was really funny i remember calling my brother in when i was watching i'm like look at this and because he'd seen it and he knew and i was just like i look like i could reach into that screen and touch him that's how good that looked and the colors obviously i wanted to see what the colors would look like it was astounding it just looks so cool that's what kind of turned me on to the the benefit of restoration color correction all that stuff because i wasn't really a nerd in that sense I just, if, if I could see it clearly in widescreen, I'm fine. But there were ones that jumped. And of course, movies that we know inside and out, like Creepshow, the Warner DVD from back in the day was clearer than VHS, but it was about the same color-wise. Yeah. But that's another very colorful film. And on Blu-ray, it's another one that just leaps off the screen. And I, I get a little charge out of that. You know what I mean? I love seeing these movies with a vibrancy. Um, yeah, see, I think that's just preference because, I mean, I'm almost on the opposite. Yeah. With certain movies, especially the older movies, I, I love it that it's more towards the artist's vision versus what these new guys are like, let me clean this up. That, sure. That didn't work on the movie. They're like, let me just clean it up. But then again, there's so many that will bring the cinematographer in to approve it. For sure. You know, mm-hmm. definitely. And even like with special features and stuff, you know, it's, I don't watch like every special feature on horror movies. I'm only watching a handful. Yeah. And, and the handful that I'm into, they're on DVD. Sure. You know, and it's like, I, cause I don't, I don't watch special features on new movies. No. No, I, I don't. I just, I watch the special features from movies that I'm super passionate about. I feel like you learn more from commentaries that are solo or two people. Sure. Than even even behind the scenes stuff. I think behind the scenes stuff is just like fly on the wall. It's cool to watch. It is. You know, but as far as like a commentary, you get to watch it with them and they're recanting tales of 
this is what happens. Look at here and watch this. I agree. That's masterclass for me. I think the biggest one for me is Savini's Night of the Living Dead commentary. For his his remake? Yeah. yeah. It is by far my favorite commentary. Really? Of all time. No kidding. Yeah. It's so in-depth. When he goes all the way down to when she's running down the, f- down the field barefoot mm-hmm. and she stops... Uh, was it Patricia Tallman? Yeah. She stops. She, he's like, right here, there's someone below her putting shoes on her. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because she runs in frame barefoot and then stops, and then she's stepping into shoes. See, that's the kind of stuff that I love because that sticks with me where I'm like, okay, cool. I can almost use that, you know, little trick that like I can have someone in camera to mm-hmm. do something, you know, when we're shooting a scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my film school, are commentaries. The, I used to like... Smith's commentaries. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've listened to a handful. Yeah. The, my, my, my favorite one is Clerks. Yeah. The Clerks commentary is great. For me, it's always been the Tom Savini or the Romero commentaries. Romero you know. commentaries are wonderful. John yeah. Carpenter John, Yeah, his, are, his are great as well. Uh, very informative, but not in a super technical nuts and bolts, almost robotic way. Because I've heard some of those too. Oh, yeah. I'm like, this is boring. And you're not telling me anything that I get, but there was, um, th- I think my favorite commentary of late is uh, Faces of Death. My- I, yes. Michael Felsher and the late John Schwartz sat and watched it for the first time. I think it was what? You know, you're 30- right. That's a good one, man. Is it a 30th anniversary? It is the 30th anniversary. And he pulled the curtain back on so many things in a big bad way that a lot of people didn't like no but the thing was he did it with humor and candor and he knew parts of the movie that were stupid he understood he made fun of himself he's in the movie like five six times you know but it was such an informative commentary and it got deep when they were talking about some of the real shit but i remember leaving that one and thinking wow, I learned a lot. I just learned so much just now. And that one really excited me. I thought that one was great. And see, and that's the thing is like, you use the keyword learn. Yeah. And then I think with the, with the special feature, like a behind the scenes, that's just fun. It is. Cause you just get to see the stuff and them laughing and joking and, mm-hmm. you know, but when they're talking to you, it, it feels like a, a student teacher kind of a yes. thing. Yes. Yes. And that's when I feel like I'm really learning. I, and there's a lot on DVDs that I, I'm good with, sure. you know, that I don't need to upgrade to a Blu-ray to get the same commentary when I'm not really going to watch all the special features. Yeah. You know, like I know one guy that does a lot of cool special features and on the DVD, they're fucking tremendous. Even the, uh, the, the, the startup menu is uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Start, best startup menu on <laughs> earth. It is. And the thing is, I haven't bought the 20th anniversary that came out this year, um, but I'm almost afraid... With the upgrade, did they keep Is the it menu? On there? I wonder, and I'm like, if it's not there, what a loss. Yeah. What a loss. Because yeah. like, for me, that made the movie. It was hilarious. Yeah. yeah I thought that was fantastic. Um, even close to that, uh, the Texas Chainsaw 2 commentary with Savini, Carolyn Williams, and Bill Mosley, right? Also hilarious. Very informative. You learn tons. And it's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reanimator, Jeffrey Combs, Barbara, and Bruce Abbott. Hysterical, but yeah. you learn so many cool. I think that's what I like too is 
you could learn the technical stuff from documentaries and behind the scenes, but I like the anecdotes. I like the stories from the set or like what you said about um, Patricia Tallman. I love shit like that where they're like, if you watch right there, I tripped, you know, or just little stupid shit like that. I love that stuff. Um, So commentaries, I think, are absolutely brilliant. And yeah, those date back to Laserdisc. We were getting some great commentaries way back in the 90s. But, um, and I will say, you, you mentioned how you don't like watching bonus features for new movies. Lately, I feel like it's gotten lazy and new movies, they just give you like a five minute sizzle reel that's mostly just clips from the movie and the actor going, it's exciting, you're going to like it, and it that's over. And I'm like, I, you just gave me like a longer trailer you know i don't like seeing that i don't like that shit i don't like that shit yeah that's why but then you get people like synapse and scream factory and arrow they put a lot of care into it in the retrospective way and going okay you didn't have all this stuff when this movie came out 40 years ago check this out Mm -hmm. and i just eat that shit up i love it i the one that really turned me on was uh of course the making of jaws that goes way back to Laserdisc. The two-hour making of Jaws was phenomenal. And then Peter Jackson's three-and-a-half-hour documentary on the making of The Frighteners. Okay. Which literally takes you from concept to script to looking back now. I think it goes all the way up to its release and how it did, which is amazing. Yeah. And that came out in, like, 98. You know, it was like a signature series Laserdisc. And see, and here's the thing. And these are on DVD. They are. These features are on DVD. They are. See, and, and these movies that you're talking about, they're all the older movies that made us. True. You yeah. know, so it's like, that's why there hasn't been, maybe it's just because there hasn't been enough new movies to move me to the point to where I'm like, man, I really want to know how these guys made it. Yeah. No, I understand that. Because like, I don't want, this is, it's going to sound bad, you know, and it's not to disparage them at all, but it's like. With The Conjuring or Insidious, you know, or Annabelle, you know, these types of movies, it's like, I don't, I'm not as hooked. And, and and I don't have as much invested with these guys as I did the old schoolers. Well, I understand that. Uh, I, and I agree to a point. Uh, and it, to, to, to tap on one of those, like, say, The Conjuring, me personally, I think movies that are allegedly based on true stories... Give me a documentary about the real case. Mm-hmm. I'll eat that up. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to give me a little five, ten minute thing about how you made the set look like the real original house, all that stuff. I like that stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but when it's like a true story in Amityville or, you know, um, Conjuring and all this stuff, I, I want something that tells me the stuff that inspired this movie. Yeah. Or... or one of the one of the coolest ones is uh I think it's the director's cut of Zodiac, David Fincher's Zodiac. The bonus disc on the Blu-ray has like a two or three hour movie about the case. And it's it's amazing. I mean, they go deep and it's it's a you could have bought it for that. Yeah. It's a, it's feature length, you know. But it's such a great companion piece to David Fincher's movie. Um that I thought it was just amazing. Another good one, and it's also on DVD, but you had to get the limited edition, was Wonderland. Uh, I don't know if you remember 
did you you got, you got Wonderland? Yeah. So the crime you, scene footage. Yes. Oh my god, what a ballsy thing to put on there because it's real. You know, that's that's faces of death shit that you're not really warned about. And to be quite honest with you, when I first saw that footage, that was when I found out it was real. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I watched the movie and I thought the movie was great. I thought it was disturbing. But I went to the crime scene footage thinking it was going to be this little fluff thing. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, this looks real. I seen this way back before we could just whip out our phone and look shit up. And I wasn't a true crime aficionado yet either. So it wasn't something that crossed my path. But that movie was like, this happened. Everything I just saw, this was based on something that fucking happened. It blew my mind. I was right. like, holy shit. And if you got the limited edition, I think it came with a bonus disc that was a documentary about John Holmes called like Wad, the true story of John Holmes or whatever. And it just cemented the fact that this awful crime up in the hills there uh, really, really happened. And it, it gave the movie an even eerier feeling. So I do feel like... Stuff like that heightens the experience. Yeah, I agree. But it was also on DVD. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't on Blu-ray. True. (laughs) I'm winning. So. Yeah. yeah, You know, and it's also, too, because, like, just like you, avid film collector, Mm -hmm. the thrill of the hunt is why I do it. Mm -hmm. A huge Anchor Bay nut. Oh, yeah, I loved Anchor Bay. I mean, I'm setting on an entire shelf full of Anchor Bay. I was looking over them, too, <laughs> the other day. I was just like, damn, he's got all of them, you know. And, and it's, you know, there's just something about that little... The little sailboat. Yeah, you know, it's... Replaced with stars. And yeah, and it's like, we're never going to have that again. And that's, no. that's why I'm holding on to that part of it, because it's like, it's gone. It is, but at the same time, especially with Anchor Bay, so many of these companies that are putting out anniversary editions, they're porting over all that shit. No, they are. And then you get more. They add to it. Because frankly, I've got movies at home that the Blu-ray release took everything, but I could be as nitpicky as it doesn't have this photo gallery. Yeah. Something as simple as that. So I haven't gotten rid of it. Uh, Halloween 4, Return of Michael Myers. The Divamax Special Edition DVD has a commentary with the screenwriter. No copy since has it. Not one. Way to go, Blu-ray. I don't get it. Well, way to go, Anchor Bay or Screen Factory. I no, mean, but I'm saying way to go for not fucking picking why? it up on your, your big Blu-ray. But the thing is, I wonder... <laughs> was there a litigation reason maybe is there possible there's got to be a story behind it because no release sense has ported over that commentary i think it's also part of the good folks over at anchor bay not too many people cared about no film the way they did they did they were fantastic from just the amount of time they put in to mm-hmm. put these things together from art yeah to special features you could just tell that Oh, they, they love film. They put out those, uh, the tens. I, I had, there was tens for like Halloween maniac. Um, they had great stuff. Great yeah. stuff. I, I always like when I'm, when I'm hunting for DVDs and I find a, a, an anchor bay that I don't have, I'll grab it and I'll give it a quick little shake. 
and you'll hear just the faintest little knock, and that means that there's an insert in it. Yes, the card or the yeah. booklet. And it's a very heavy insert that they put in oh, there. Oh, yeah. Very thick cardstock. Yep. And But that's even important to me. If there's an Anchor Bay that I know has an insert, but this 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 copy doesn't. I won't buy it. Really? Yeah, I, yeah. I won't. I won't buy it. There was a guy on eBay years ago that was literally selling inserts. Really? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, because yeah, the inserts those don't. Yeah, they don't. They don't bother with a lot of those. I had the the DVD of the Fog when they did a collector's edition with MGM, and when I bought the Blu-ray from Scream Factory, it had everything that was on it, even the Easter eggs that you had to hunt for. But yeah, the booklet wasn't in there. And I was like, eh, that sucks. So I kept mine. Yeah. I got I got like probably a half dozen copies of The Fog in various formats. To speak on Halloween again, Anchor Bay's two-disc set with the lenticular cover. I've kept that just for that. I mean, the, the print has been improved on Blu-ray. All the bonus features that were on this are on that. But because it has a lenticular cover, I'm not getting rid of it. I'm keeping it. I'm and, I, and I'm not saying that these people now that are making Blu-rays don't care. I know Scream cares. Most boutique places do. Scream and I know Arrow. Yeah. Warner Brothers and Paramount and them, they could give a shit less. And usually farm out their movies to those boutique agencies. I've, I've noticed Scream Factory surprisingly has had their fingers in a lot of Warner and new line stuff mm-hmm. lately. Again, I being a collector of, of, of film, it's, it's like getting to a point to where I'm like, well, I have about 5,000 DVDs. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to start collecting them all over again on Blu-ray. Yeah. I'm not saying I don't have Blu-ray. I, I have a, a decent amount of Blu-rays. Not a lot, but I have a decent amount. And But if you notice them, they're all pretty much just the shit that I'm already into, like the creep shows and oh, yeah. things like that. Or new <clears throat> movies that look really good on the 4K, like Coco. I don't want to keep going back to that. but No, but we've gotten to a point now where DVD is almost put out as an afterthought. Yeah. For newer movies. So yeah, you're if it's of, put out at all. Yeah, so sometimes Blu-ray is just your only option. I will say because I'm a bells and whistles guy, let's say we go back to Halloween and they're like for the 50th anniversary, here's the 50th anniversary Halloween with a new transfer. If it doesn't have any of the bonus any new bonus features, I'm not going to get it. Same. I'm going to keep the one I got. I'm fine. A transfer is not enough for me. No. No. I got I to gotta see something that I've never seen before. Uh, we mentioned Jaws and how the DVD had the making of. The Blu-ray had a bonus disc with the documentary The Shark is Still Working, which was also a feature-length movie that was just about the franchise and how its lasting legacy. That wasn't available on DVD. And in fact, I want to say that movie was made... 10, 15 years ago, and just found its home on Blu-ray. You know, like I was just finally able to see it. So, of course, I rebought Jaws because, A, I'm going to get the new transfer, all the original bonus features, and then this thing, whatever this is, you know. And I got to watch it, and it was great. It was – I almost resigned myself to saying I bought the – I bought Jaws again just for that, which is fine. Yeah, it's not enough to just put – anniversary or limited edition on something 
and me run out and get it. I'm not that much of a sucker. It's got to be pretty big. Well, I know, like, what is it? Scream, they do some pretty great shit, like with uh, Night of the Creeps. It was beautiful. Yeah. Great set for me. Especially when it came with the Atkins figure. Yes. (laughs) And the poster and the alternate slipcover. Well, that and I, if I remember right, Night of the Creeps, didn't they only release it as the director's cut? At least Screen Factory gave you the theatrical too. And I like that. Give us the option. And see, that's the kind of stuff that I I do like, uh, like a director's cut. Mm -hmm. I do like that stuff because I know, and I, I will buy it. On Blu-ray, 4K, if it's a director's cut of a movie that I really like, because I know it's not the studio saying, cut this for time, but they actually are, now we're getting to see the director's vision. You and I were talking a little bit yesterday about Halloween 6, and that had an infamous and widely circulated bootleg of Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, versus just Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. It was the producer's cut. And up to Scream Factory, it was this ratty, shitty work print that even had the uh, the time ticker in the bottom. To Scream Factory's credit, I'm not a f- huge fan of Halloween 6. To Scream Factory's credit, they gave you the theatrical cut, the producer's cut, and documentaries up the ass about the tumultuous production. And they gave you commentaries and all this. And that that's a movie I don't even care for. Of course I bought it, because fuck yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, when it comes to the bonus features, that's how you get me. But I just, I like when they show these movies the respect that, I mean, even a bad movie, if you, I almost prefer bad movies with special features, because sometimes I just want you to explain yourself. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I would love, I would love a commentary track or a retrospective about the howling franchise because that is a fucked up franchise too many cooks too many creatives too many deviations i just want someone to explain that fucking series to me but they only care about the first one which is arguably the best the one that should have commentaries and documentaries but the rest of them i kind of want them to shower those with something because I want to know what you guys were thinking. That's just me. It's a, like, especially New Moon Rising, which is just square dancing, <laughs> essentially. I Even if it's bad, even if it's, a, if it's a shit show documentary where they're like, none of us enjoyed working on that fucking movie. Fine. Spill the tea. I want to hear it. You know, to go back to Transfer, Howling 2, Your Sister's a Werewolf, before Blu-ray, I couldn't barely see anything in that movie. I don't know if you remember how dark. There's scenes in that movie that were so dark, I couldn't tell what was going on. That's how bad it was. On VHS. TV, it was even worse. But VHS, I rent the tape, and I was like, there's scenes where people are getting eaten or bit or something, and I'm like, I can't tell what's happening. Finally, on Blu-ray, I could see the movie. Yeah. It's one of the few that the cleanup was worth it because... I could at least see what the director was trying to shoot just because even the tape was just so bad. Yeah. You know, and it it's not a great movie, but I knocked it down even more as a kid because I couldn't see what was scary. <laughs> you know, I mean, 
and tracking was an issue and, you know, but it was one of those deals where I'm like, just give me a, a clean print so I can give it a, an honest opinion. That to me is my, that, that's my argument, at least for Blu-ray is I do like the cleanup. I do think it's neat in the rare occasion where they have the rough version that looks like a VHS. That's pretty neat. Yeah, I do like that, too. And it's not that that doesn't happen nearly at all. No, you know, it doesn't. No, I like that, too. You had said something a minute ago and it kind of it stuck in my mind and it kind of gave me another thought when, you know, we were talking about how they don't even release movies on DVD. They'll they'll just go straight to Mm Blu-ray or it's streaming. Mm, mm-hmm. they 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 stream it and that concept to me was like i because i know like the, the, that voodoo and all that stuff had been around for a long time where you buy a digital code and you put it up and i like and i know you are too it's like we're super tangible guys where it's like i want to hold it and like open it and yeah you know look at everything and like, i, I want to be able to pull it off the shelf yeah you know it. and it's like it's it's part of the experience <laughs> so it's like that kind of posed a question is like well being a, a physical media collector it's part of the experience and streaming i don't know i don't i don't know if you're getting the same experience on a streaming because like i'm a theater goer yeah. I love the process of theater. And it's like now there's movies where we'll put it in theater and in your house. Yeah. That's not. No, I, I think you're killing the experience. You are. I Especially underst- certain movies. They do not need to be seen at home. For the first time. For the first time. They yeah, do no. not need to be seen at home. Like no. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I just couldn't imagine watching it at home for the first time. No. And the thing is. That goes back to even the the old rental stores when if you missed it in the theater, you did watch it at home for the first time prior to streaming. But let's be fair. How many movies did you miss that were like, like what was important to us? Like if there was a new Romero movie or a new like Carpenter movie, how many movies like Jason or Freddie did you actually miss in the theater? A lot. Did you really? Yeah, I was I was as an 80s kid. I was 10 in 92. Man. So I, the heyday, if I saw it, it was on video because my folks weren't going to take me to go see that stuff. I did eventually have a couple of cool uncles that were like, yeah, let's go see this. Like my first big one, a uh, big horror movie, Demon Knight. Tales Great. from the Crypt's Demon awesome. Knight. Uh, that was when I was like, ooh, I get to see a really scary movie at the theater. Uh, but see, even then, I'm but, talking but, like w- when you started going, mm-hmm. you didn't. I'm sure you went. Cause I I felt like I fucking owed my theater rent. Yeah, I was there so much. No, I you know once I once I had a job and a car, I lived there, which is great. But yeah, as a kid, our heyday, a lot of it was VHS because my folks were not going to take me, and I didn't have. I have the oldest, so okay. I, I didn't have the cool sibling who was just like, "I'll take you." You know, like you did. Right. You mentioned in the uh, first episode that your brother took you to see Dawn. Mm-hmm. You know, and that would have been cool, but no. Yeah. I, I spent my theater days watching fairly family-friendly stuff. And a lot of my horror stuff that I got into was VHS. So aside from, I guess, money, what do you think the reason is why they would forego the theater and just put it at home for a service you're already paying for it seems like you're gonna lose money to me that it strikes me as lazy 
Yeah. Because you're catering to an audience that seems ambivalent about their films. Right. Me personally, even with the last, what was the last Halloween? Halloween Ends. I had the option to just watch it on Peacock, I think. It was premiering there the same day. I still went. You have to. Same. Yeah, if I really want to see it and it's in theaters, I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I like the convenience of knowing if I want to watch it again, it's there. That's nice. But I'm not going to cheat myself by watching it here first. No, because that's not what the filmmaker intended. It, no. they, they didn't intend on you to watch it on your phone. No. On your iPad. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, we might have like 85 inch screens, 75 inch screens. And it's like, okay, we're getting some sort of a theatrical experience at home. Some sort of. Right. It's like, we just, we just recently purchased a projector. Yeah. And like, we're in the process of ordering a screen. We're doing all this stuff, you know, and this thing goes up to 120 inches. Wow. And it's all, everything's completely wireless sound bars, all this stuff, everything is wireless. So we can take it outside. We can watch, you know, in the loft or downstairs, whatever. That is cool. Mm -hmm. But I still wouldn't watch Halloween ends on that if it's at the theater. Right. I still wouldn't do it. I'm the same way. I going to the theater. It's 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 a communal experience. It is. Um, That's the big part of it. And that's the thing. I as much as I hate people. And there's always going to be someone there who's kids running around or talking during the movie. There's going to be bad experiences at the theater. But for the most part, just being in a dark room, watching it big with the big THX and all. I mean, it's it's an experience. You and I are going to go see the final Indiana Jones movie this Friday. The Dial of Destiny or whatever. There's no way in hell I would miss an Indiana Jones movie. At the theater. You don't want to just watch it on our phone? No. <laughs> I'd rather die. Yeah, I don't... I because just... it's big, and it's loud, and it's ex- it's it's exciting, and just movies like that, movies in general, but particularly the spectacle movies, have to be on the big screen. You have to be able to immerse yourself in it. I agree. And, uh, yeah, there's no way... If, if Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny was coming out also on Disney+, Plus. When I watch it again, sure. Yeah. But I'm going to the fucking theater. It always makes me happy now when I hear in theaters only. Yes. It's and shitty how, that we have to hear that. How funny, though. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that but it's it, even a thing. Yeah. But, but it is nice when it's in theaters only. Because it's a statement. Mm-hmm. They're like, fuck you. Come see this. Yeah. You know. Um, I was reading an article today. I guess Tom Cruise was being interviewed about the new Mission Impossible. And he... While being interviewed, the press junket for his movie is literally telling people, go see Indiana Jones, go see Oppenheimer, go see Barbie. These are his competitors. Yeah. And Tom Cruise, to his credit, is like, go to the theater. (laughs) I don't even care if you don't see my movie. Go see these movies. The summer is right here in front of you. Grab it. You know, and I... I fucking thought that was pretty damn cool, especially when you're supposed to be out there touting your own flick. Yeah. Uh, just to be able to, you know, y- you could be like, ah, yeah, fuck the others. Come see Mission Impossible. No, he's like, dude, the theater's dying. Come back where it was magical. Come back and watch this stuff. 
And, um, you know, that's to me, that's just great celebrate that shit. You know, I mean, there's nothing like that experience. Um, I'll never be able to see Freddy versus Jason again with a loud, rowdy, screaming, laughing crowd the way I did. I mean, people were cheering, jumping that fight at the end. Yeah. The fight we all came to see the electricity in that theater was amazing. Yeah. Uh, sadly, I, when I went and seen Grindhouse in 2007, I was so stoked for this because this was not just a theater experience. This was like a drive-in double feature. This was a gift. This is going to be amazing. The crowd I went and seen it with didn't get it. No oh, man. Nobody was laughing. No cat calling. No, no. And in fact, a certain section of the audience left after Planet Terror thinking the movie was done. Even they, with those trailers and this, or just at credit roll, they're out. Credit roll, they were out. Because they didn't get what Tarantino and Rodriguez were giving us. This was an old school double feature with fake trailers. They were, they were giving you the experience. So whether you liked the movies or not, the experience was the sell. And I fucking loved it. I That was my favorite movie of 2007, Grindhouse. Because it was just, who the f- this is genius. Who the fuck would have thought, you know, it wasn't even just the movies. It was the, look what they gave us. This is a drive-in experience. They even beat up the film, you know, to look like a shitty print and all that. As a, as a movie fan, as an exploitation fan even... There was nothing like that, and I was so disappointed that it bombed. We could be on, like, Grindhouse 7 right now. And with different directors giving us two different movies every time, it would have been so cool if it got franchised. But because people didn't get it, and there's a generational divide, we we don't get to have nice things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're losing the nice things at an alarming rate. You're absolutely right. I don't know if I don't know if it's just is it is it theater goers as well not showing up to where studios are like, "Nah, we'll just stream it instead." Maybe. Cuz I, I like I honestly I don't know. We like, can't we can't blame COVID for this because this no. was all, this was already happening. Yes. COVID didn't help. Not at all. I thought um, I thought COVID was going to kill I was theaters. Straight up expecting this to be the end. I really was. Especially when there was so much him and Han about big blockbuster movies. Um I think it was Marvel's Black Widow that was coming out and it was delayed because of COVID. And me being a big Marvel movie fan, I was ready to go see it. And then I remember reading articles about maybe they're just going to stream it. And I'm like, no, come on. And I was disappointed. And I'm like, and this isn't some niche movie. This is Marvel. This is Disney. This is Scarlett Johansson. I'm like, if you're going to do this to the big movies, the smaller ones don't got a chance. If you're going to, if you're going to shelve Marvel, which is like dominating everything. There's no hope. There's, you know, so I'm surprised. I'm glad that theaters didn't die. And I'm glad that they're on a sort of upswing. But 
I don't like competing with my television. Yeah, me neither. Just let me see the movie. I'll wait the three, four months for Blu-ray or DVD, and I'll watch it again then. Or Blu-ray. Yeah, Blu-ray. Not DVD. I'll wait for DVD. You can do whatever you, <laughs> you want. You wait for the Blu-ray. Why don't you wait for the Super 8? <laughs> Why don't you watch us a, a fucking hey. slideshow? Hey, man, I'm into it. Hey, man, you want a Viewmaster? <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into it. Grandpa. I think it's just because it is. Like, you know what? Before it went out and I got to buy another one, every year on Halloween, mm-hmm. I would watch The Shining mm-hmm. on a little 13-inch VCR TV combo. Okay. And just, it felt like I was watching it on TV again as a kid. Just the graininess of of the t of the TV itself and the VHS. Yeah, and it was funny because I had actually one time said that in a movie crypt episode with Adam and Joe. Yeah, I put a I sent like I don't know what it was. They were asking something, so I said, oh, "I'm gonna fucking write this in," and they mentioned it like you know, mentioned that, and they were both like, oh, "That's a fucking it's a cool idea." Yeah, I loved it. It just felt like I was a little kid again watching it, watching The Shining on TV. The fact that you can recreate that feeling is amazing. I don't know if I could. I don't know if there's an aesthetic that I could recreate that would make me feel that way. But I do have, me being such a creep show nut, I taped it way back in the day when you could just tape off a television. I still have the Kodak tape. And I watched it probably a couple years ago. And there was a charm to seeing, I don't know if you remember this on old stations, when the time and temperature would pop up in the corner just for maybe 10 seconds and then go away. When I saw that, I just died laughing. I was like, that is so fucking cool. But then, you know, we're going to commercials. There's the little cheesy uh, marquee. We'll be right back. Yeah. You know. Stuff like that. I loved it. I thought that was so cool. And that's not just for the nostalgia of it, but that's a big reason why I kept the tape. And I know, sadly, one day that tape's just going to dissolve, you know, but... You can always burn it to DVD. <clears throat> or Blu-ray. Or DVD. They don't need my special features. Just put it on DVD. I would get more special features. What are you going to do? you going to put it on 4K and have them remaster it? <laughs> no, Edit out the time and the, and the temperature and just make it look like you're fucking 4K? No, I'll, I'll stream it. <laughs> there you go. I'll put it I'll, on. You know what? I'll go see it in the theater. You'll go see <laughs> Which, okay, one thing that I do have in Michigan, um, uh, do you guys have Imagine Theaters out here? Or is it just a Michigan sound thing? familiar. I know it's a big chain, but it could just be a Midwest thing. But we have Imagine Theaters. Every Sunday and Wednesday, an old classic movie is played at the theater. And I get to see shit that I wasn't around for. I have gotten to see Friday the 13th at the theater. I have gotten to see Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and Jaws. That, to me, makes going to the theater even more enticing. Because now, most of the time, the new movie's coming out, I'm not interested in I don't fucking care. But if you tell me that this Halloween we're playing, like this September, uh, they're bringing back Christine. Wow. That's a deep cut. It's not like your Turner Classic 
that's Christine. Yeah. I'm going to go see fucking Christine on the big screen. I was only one when that movie came out. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like theaters could probably survive more if they put out more retro stuff. It's like a repertory theater kind of a thing where you're, you're playing yes. the older stuff. Yeah. Please. Well, here in, in California, there's obviously, because it's like entertainment capital of the world, mm-hmm. theaters are abundant. Yeah. They're all over the place. And they play. That's There's some theaters that's all they play. That's fucking awesome. You know, it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen a movie at the New Bev or not. I don't know. No. Okay. That all they play is 35 millimeter. No digital. Nice. And it's all older stuff. That's it. And it's not just the popular shit. It's just no. like, it could be. No, they played like, I think one time they, they recently played like Watermelon Man. What the fuck is that? You've never heard of that? Okay, when we're done, I'm going to tell you about that. But um, yeah, they play obscure, rare, like nice. 60s, 70s, 50s, older stuff. Like, and it's it's all the time. Then they do a, like a like sometimes they'll do like an all night horror festival. Mm, that and they'll cool. play movies from like eight o'clock till like dawn. You know, man. Um, yeah, that's why I love like the film going experience here in California, because there's just so many different things to do. And I do want to talk about that on another episode with, you know, like the arc light with the dome, you know, mm. like losing the dome and, you know, all these different um, uh, theaters that we have around here and the stuff and the experiences it's, it is unlike any other, you know, uh, theater going experience. And I sure. have friends from Michigan, I have friends from New York and Florida, and they're just like, nothing holds a candle to, the California, you know, movie going experience like in theaters. That's why I'm really looking forward to Indiana Jones. Yeah. If, if this is the final one and it's by all accounts, it is, I want to see it. I want to see it go out with a bang in a big California theater, Yeah, you know? So I think that'll be fun. And with, uh, you know, my partner in crime, how cool would that be? Exactly. No, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I, I think it was an interesting, you know, topic because I mean, we both have, it's funny because we both have similar points. Yeah. You know, uh, about the, the physical media of DVD and, and, and Blu-ray and then obviously streaming and theater. Yeah. I think we both agree streaming is, it is what it is. But um, I, 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 like, I like the convenience of it, but I'd rather it not be in my first experience. Yeah. You know? I agree. And a lot of the stuff that's strictly streaming doesn't go to Blu-ray or DVD. Right. That's what sucks because licenses expire and you might love it now, and it might not be there tomorrow. Yeah, and then what happens when it's gone? Yeah. So you know? there's a lot of people out there that sell high-end Blu-ray rips of movies that are not available on Blu-ray. Right. Just because they're on Disney+. Plus. Or- so I think what we're taking from this is you guys get your asses to the theater. I think you so. You also start buying physical, physical media. media again. Physical media. People. Yeah. Start going and buying it. We need to re-energize this this industry. I think so. I yeah. feel like it's uh, it's lazy and kind of entitled and yeah. stupid now. Yeah, it's and time to take it back. We, we need to make movies fun again. I guess that's it. All right, man. Well, until next time. We'll see you guys.